Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting it through Patreon. For $3 a month, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, Pucks and Cups and From John to Justin, available on all podcast platforms. There have been many issues that have divided Canada in its history. There was the conscription crisis of 1917, the referendums that threatened to break up Canada, and more. Even things like Medicare caused furious debate across Canada. One event that was hotly debated across Canada, loved by some and hated by others at the time, was the debate over Canada's flag. For most countries, a flag is created very early in its history, and there is little debate over its creation. In Canada, no national flag existed until almost 100 years after the formation of the country. Other flags existed, de facto national flags, but nothing was official. Today, I am looking at the flag debate that dominated Canada in the mid-1960s. After Canada became a country, the Royal Union flag, known as the Union Jack, was used as the national flag of the country, while the Canadian Red Ensign was recognized as a distinctive Canadian flag. The Canadian Red Ensign was first used during the time of Sir John A. Macdonald, and upon his death, the Governor-General, Lord Stanley, wrote to London stating, quote, in 1891, the Dominion government has encouraged by precept and example the use on all public buildings throughout the provinces of the red ensign with the Canadian badge on the fly, which has come to be considered as the recognized flag of the Dominion, both ashore and afloat. When Sir Wilfrid Laurier came to power in 1896, pressure from pro-imperial Canadians resulted in the Union Jack flying over Parliament, where it would remain until the 1920s when the red ensign came into prominence. From 1873 to 1921, as provinces entered confederation, the Red Ensign was incorporated into nine provincial flags in some way. The issue was that the flag was not officially a Canadian flag, so many flag makers added their own embellishments, adding a crown on the shield, placing the shield in a white circle, and more. To deal with this, in 1921 the government asked King George V for a new coat of arms of Canada that incorporated the cultures of England, Scotland, Ireland, and France. In 1922, through an order in council, the coat of arms of the new shield became the Canadian coat of arms. In 1924, the new version of the Red Ensign was approved for use on Canadian government buildings abroad. Throughout the coming decades, various suggestions would pop up for new flags. One designed by the newspaper La Presse, published on January 11, 1930, featured a Union Canton, five blue point stars making up the Big Dipper constellation, and a large North Star at the top of the flag. One flag proposed in 1946 featured a Union Jack Canton and a white background and a maple leaf on the right side. In 1939, Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King had the Union Jack flown over Parliament during the Second World War. But in 1945, he used an order in council to make the Canadian Red Ensign the official Canadian flag on federal buildings. King attempted to give Canada its own flag, and 2,600 ideas came in, but the project faded and no flag was chosen. 
1947, Adelard Guilbeault, who was Premier of Quebec from 1939 to 1944, suggested a design based on the League of the Canadian Flag, which was divided diagonally between white and red, with a maple leaf in between. In the 1950s, attitudes were changing and many Canadians wanted their own flag that was distinctive in the world. In 1956, during the Suez Crisis, Canada's Secretary of State for External Affairs, Lester B. Pearson, would defuse the situation and earn the Nobel Peace Prize as a result. A United Nations emergency force was created, but the Egyptians rejected Canada's participation in it as Canadians were seen as too British in their uniforms and their symbols. This would push Pearson to create a new symbol for Canada. A large poll was held in 1958 and it found that 80% wanted a national flag different from any other nation, and 60% wanted the flag to have the maple leaf on it. The maple leaf had long been associated with Canada, serving as a national symbol dating back from as early as the 1830s. During the First World War, 60% of Canadian cap badges had the maple leaf on it. On January 27, 1960, Lester B. Pearson, now the leader of the opposition, put out an invitation to create a new flag in Parliament, but the Conservatives, headed by John Diefenbaker, were not interested in doing so. This opposition to a new flag only grew in the coming years. As a result, Pearson made it a Liberal Party policy in 1961 and part of the election platform in both 1962 and 1963's federal elections. It became a main part of the campaign in 1963 when Pearson promised to have a new flag in place within two years if the Liberals were elected. The Liberals won that election, but with a minority government which made implementing a new flag no easy task. Pearson would write in his memoirs, quote, The flag was part of a deliberate design to strengthen national unity, to improve federal-provincial relations, and to devise a more appropriate constitution and to guard against the wrong kind of American penetration. The creation of a new flag was not something that came out of nowhere. The country was growing increasingly divided, the EFLQ were bombing mailboxes and businesses in Quebec, and Pearson felt that a new flag would serve as, quote, an elixir that might transform followers wearied of the parliamentary battles and sad at heart as their heroes fell. Moreover, in the races against national division, a new flag might be a rallying symbol. John Matheson, the parliamentary secretary, made the flag his personal passion project and would even learn about the principles of flags in an effort to better understand how flags were put together. In February 1963, a three-leaf design was leaked to the press, which was the design Pearson preferred. It would eventually be nicknamed the Pearson Pennant by the Conservatives. On one day that year, Matheson came to the home of Pearson to look at the sketches of the three-leaf flag, bringing designer Alad Badeau with him. Matheson would say, quote, The Prime Minister studied the sketches produced. Then, without any prior advice or warning to me, Badeau extracted from his briefcase another design with vertical blue bars, which he handed to the Prime Minister, saying, Perhaps you would prefer this flag, which conveys the message from sea to sea. Pearson would meet with eight Ottawa journalists to get their opinions on the three maple leaf flag. Walter Stewart of the Toronto Star wrote an article about the new flag, while his colleague wrote a piece that incorrectly said Pearson had already chosen the new flag. 
These articles served as fuel for the fire that John Diefenbaker and the Conservatives would lob at the Liberals, stating that Pearson had subverted Parliament by personally selecting a flag. We have had a flag. Flags can be changed. But flags cannot be imposed, the sacred symbols of a people's hopes and aspirations, by the simple, capricious, personal choice of a Prime Minister of Canada. And let me underline that point. Now then, whenever the majority of Canadian people want a new version, and when the design is meaningful and acceptable to most Canadians, that's democracy. Not everyone was in favor of that flag design. One newspaper in Alberta published a letter from a 10-year-old in the community who said, quote, I don't like the three maple leaves on the white background. The single maple leaf looks better. As I am only 10, I will have to look at it longer than Mr. Pearson. On May 17, 1964, at the Royal Canadian Legion Convention in Winnipeg, Pearson spoke to a hostile crowd who were not in favour of changing the flag from the Red Ensign to a new design. In fact, the cover of the recent Legionary magazine had an image of the Canadian Red Ensign on it with the caption, This is Canada's flag. Keep it flying. The men in the audience had fought with the Red Ensign on their uniforms and it held a special place for them. Both the Royal Canadian Legion and the Canadian Corps Association wanted a flag that included the Union Jack to show the ties of Canada to the other Commonwealth nations. Going to the convention was an excellent tactic by Pearson to not only bring the issue of the new flag to national attention, but to also win over a highly critical audience. He would write in his memoirs, quote, I chose this occasion deliberately, though. I might easily have arranged to speak to an audience which would have given my views a friendlier reception. I thought, however, that, outside of Parliament, the Legion had the right to be the first to hear my statement. I had no illusions about their reaction, for I knew their official views, but I got a fair, if somewhat hostile, hearing. It was naturally a difficult speech to make in the circumstances. Members of the Legion are aware of, of my government's commitments made by our party some years ago to ask Parliament, to ask Parliament to decide on a distinctive Canadian flag within a certain period of time. In World War I, the flag that flew for Canadian soldiers overseas was the Union Jack. In World War II, in January 1944, the Red Ensign came officially on the scene. Ensign came officially on the scene, though we sometimes forget. It's all right, Mr. Chairman, this is a veterans meeting. <laughs> and as Harry Truman once said, if you can't stand the heat, keep out of the kitchen. 
But we do sometimes forget the flag designated for the first Canadian division, the first Canadian forces overseas, and presented as such to General McNaughton on his departure from Canada for Europe, was one with three joint red maple leaves predominant on it. And, and I believe, as sincerely as some of you may believe in another design, I believe that today a flag designed around the maple leaf will symbolize and be a true reflection of the new Canada. Today, today there are five million or more Canadians whose tradition is not inherited from the British Isles, but who are descendants of the original French founders of our country. There are another five million or more who have come to Canada from other faraway lands whose heritage is neither British nor French. I believe that a Canadian flag as distinctive as the maple leaf in the Legion badge will bring them all closer, bring all these Canadians closer to us of British stock and make us all better and more united Canadians. This began what today has become known as the Great Canadian Flag Debate. It was an issue that divided people across Canada, although in Quebec it resulted in little more than apathy. As a professor would say one year before he was elected to Parliament as a Liberal, Quote, Quebec does not give a tinker's damn about the new flag. It is a matter of complete indifference. That professor was named Pierre Elliott Trudeau. On June 1, 1964, supporters of the Red Ensign gathered at Parliament Hill to demonstrate over the decision to create a new flag. The RCMP were also on hand as another group was at Parliament Hill in support of the new flag. About 1,000 people gathered on Parliament Hill tonight demonstrating in support of the proposed new maple leaf flag and the red ensign. Tom Leach sends this report. As watchful Mounties walk slowly between their ranks along the main walkway to the center block, rival groups of demonstrators booed and catcalled each other and waved a forest of opposing flags. Organizers of both sides blame the wet weather. It's been raining all day in Ottawa for the small turnout, but what the demonstrators lacked inside, they made up. singing God Save the Queen and swishing the air with red ensigns. On the west side, a five-deep lineup of horse demonstrators shouted, We want Mike, and waved the new Maple Leaf design. The Parliament Hill detachment of the RCMP left the demonstrators strictly alone, except to move them along when they blocked pathways. Members of Parliament mingled with the crowd, some of them besieged by demonstrators opposed to their stand on the flag issue in the House. Some of the MPs said they were overjoyed that finally there was an issue in the House which attracted the kind of attention Parliament Hill received this evening. One man, standing alone in the center of the two groups, waved his idea for a flag, a red ensign with 12 maple leaves sewn onto it. Ten of the leaves represented the provinces of Canada. What the other two were about, no one really did find out. His explanation was drowned in a sudden surge of shouting, and he and his flag were lost in the crush. This is Tom Leach of CBC News. In Ottawa. On June 3, 1964, the Globe and Mail published a letter to the editor that had a different solution to the flag issue. Paul Ludger of Guelph stated, quote, Consider the possibility of declaring the can to be the first world's nation to commit itself to rationality and be officially flagless. 
Think of the hope we could offer to the weary millions of the world who are simply sick and tired of nationalism and at the bleeding stupidity it entails. On June 15, 1964, Pearson opened the debate in Parliament with a resolution that would, quote, establish officially as the flag of Canada a flag embodying the emblem proclaimed by His Majesty King George V on November 21, 1921, three maple leaves conjoined on one stem, in the colours of red and white, then designated for Canada, the red leaves occupying a field of white between vertical sections of blue on the edges of the flag. Pearson hoped to create a flag that had history and tradition, but without the Union Jack. John Diefenbaker wanted to keep the red ensign, and a filibuster was mounted, causing the debate to seem endless, with no side giving an inch. Diefenbaker wanted a referendum to be held on the flag, something Pearson was not willing to do. Throughout the entire summer, the debate continued with the stalemate going on and on. Finally, on September 10, 1964, Pearson yielded to a suggestion of the creation of a special flag committee. A 15-person panel was created with the task of creating a new flag in six weeks. The committee was made up of seven liberals, five conservatives, and one member from the other three minor parties. Herman Maxwell Batten, a liberal MP from Newfoundland, was chosen as the chair. John Matheson would say, quote, We are going to have a new flag by Christmas. It's going to be a distinctive national flag, and it will be based on the historic and proud emblem of Canada, the Maple Leaf. Over the next six weeks, the committee held 35 meetings as 3,541 entries came in. Of the entries, 2,136 featured maple leaves, 408 featured Union Jacks, and 389 featured the Beaver. As the six weeks were drawing to a close, committee member John Matheson submitted a flag designed by George Stanley, a historian, Rhodes Scholar, and a Second World War veteran. Stanley had been standing outside the Mackenzie Building of the Royal Military College of Canada, looking at the college flag in the wind. That sparked an idea in him of a flag without national or racial symbols that would be decisive in nature. He put forward a design based on the flag of the college that featured a single red maple leaf on a white background flanked by two red borders. His original design featured a maple leaf with 13 points that would be redesigned to 11 points. On October 22, 1964, the committee held its final vote between the design Pearson liked and Stanley's design. Several motions went through on that fateful day. The first motion was a conservative motion to decide the flag question through a referendum, which was defeated 9-5. to five. The next motion was that there should be a national flag, which passed 14 to nothing. The third motion was that the Canadian red ensign should be the national flag, which was defeated 10-4. to four. With the last vote for which flag to choose, the Conservatives assumed that the Liberals would vote for Pearson's design, and therefore they would vote for the one-leaf design by Stanley. In fact, the Liberals agreed with the other non-conservatives to choose the Stanley Maple Leaf flag in a brilliant play on government strategy. As a result, the new flag was approved by the committee in a unanimous vote. The conservatives were horrified by the result, so in the next motion that the chosen flag represented a suitable flag for Canada, they cast four votes against it. Diefenbaker was furious at being outmaneuvered by the Liberals and dismissed the flag as being too close to the flag of Peru. In a television interview, he would say, quote, If we ever get that flag, we would have the Peruvians saluting it anyway. 
it now went to the House of Commons to approve the decision. Once again, John Diefenbaker would not budge on getting rid of the Red Ensign, resulting in a filibuster debate that lasted six weeks. It has been described as among the ugliest debate periods in the House of Commons history. During that time, the Conservatives made 210 speeches, the Liberals 50, the NDP 24, and the Social Credit 15. By comparison, the 2012 Budget Bill was subjected to 214 speeches, taking less than two months in all. As the debate wore on, public opinion began to turn against the Conservatives, who Canadians saw as holding Parliament for ransom over the new flag. One Conservative MP from Nova Scotia, George Nolan, would state, quote, The Liberals have got to use closure, to get us off the hook. We can't just quit, or people would never forgive us. Finally, one of Diefenbaker's own senior members and his Quebec lieutenant, Leon Balsay, invited the Liberals to invoke closure. This limited speeches to 20 minutes and forced a vote. The House of Commons got a shock today when the Liberal government was invited by Leon Balsay, the leader of Quebec Conservative MPs, to invoke closure to shut off the flag debate. His statement at the opening of the House immediately brought Gordon Churchill, the Conservative floor leader, to his feet. Mr. Churchill said Mr. Balsay was not speaking for the party. The Credit East leader, Mr. Cowett, said he strongly supports Mr. Balsay's call for closure. With further details from the press gallery, here is Tom Leach. Mr. Balsay has let it be known for months that he's been disenchanted with some of Mr. Diefenbaker's policies in the House of Commons, and the flag issue has crystallized his disenchantment. As far back as last May, Mr. Balsay was saying that Mr. Diefenbaker was out of touch with the modern needs of the province of Quebec and that some of his policies were totally out of date. Today, publicly and strongly for the first time, he disassociated himself from the official conservative line on the flag. And although Mr. Balsay said he spoke for himself, most members of the Quebec wing of the conservative party regard him as their leader. The open break has been coming for a while. Although Mr. Diefenbaker sits next to Mr. Balsay in the House of Commons, the two rarely exchange so much as a word when both are in the chamber. And on the issue of the flag, so dear to the heart of French-Canadian politicians, the two have been diametrically opposed almost from the start. Today, Mr. Balsay said he feels there's already been too much talk. Here's how he put it in an interview. Well, I think this, the present debate is sort of uh, uh, getting Parliament into a fix. I mean, the Parliament is a place where you can debate. It's all right, but it, uh, it was uh, becoming a farce. I think this debate has lasted for weeks and months. Every kind of opinion that could have been expressed on a Canadian flag have been expressed, and I think the government should have the, the courage to, um, to stand up and impose closure. Finally, a vote was held at 2.15 a.m. on December 15, 1964. Balsier and the other Conservatives from Quebec voted in line with the Liberals and the recommendation of the committee passed 163 to 78. Soon after the vote, Matheson wrote to Stanley stating, quote, Your proposed flag has now been approved by the Commons 163 to 78. Congratulations. I believe it is an excellent flag that will serve Canada well. Diefenbaker, defiant to the end, stated, quote, A flag by closure imposed by closure. He would later write in his journal on December 21st, quote, the Progressive Conservative Party, Her Majesty's loyal opposition, stood alone in the House of Commons against the removal of the Union Jack from Canada's national flag. 
We fought for what we believed was right. We have lost. In early 1964, Balsier, the man who put forward the closure, would leave the Conservative Party saying there was no place for a French-Canadian in Diefenbaker's party. The flag was then approved on December 17, 1964 in the Canadian Senate by a vote of 38 to 23. Diefenbaker would say to Pearson, quote, You have done more to divide the country than any other Prime Minister. Reaction to the new flag and the debate has been mixed across the country. CBC reporters got these opinions. First, Halifax. Well, great. I think it's just great. We should have had a new flag years ago. I, I believe that we need a symbol that people outside Canada can recognize. Good evening, sir. What's your reaction to the, the new flag? Well, I think it's, it's settled now. I think it's the right, the right kind of thing for it, for the country. They were arguing about it, so I think now the flag's in now, so I think it'll be the best way now. You're satisfied with it, I'm eh? satisfied with it, yeah. From Montreal, John Shelter sends this report. It's hard to say there's a reaction to the new flag in Montreal. There's relief that the debate is over, gratification that something has been decided at last, but really no elation at the choice. Most of the English-speaking people accepted the new flag with such comments as, it's about time, I'm glad it's over at last, and it's a pretty good flag, I guess. A few, a very few, just didn't like it at all. On the French side, the reactions were even less excited. I could probably sum up the total French-Canadian opinion by saying... So what? There were Gallic shrugs, thumb-down gestures, and I was told more than once that it just didn't matter. This is John Shelton's reporting to CBC News from Montreal. In, in Toronto, reporter Norman Allen got this reaction. I think I'd rather have the... Uh, the red ensign? No, not the red ensign, but the original flag with the one maple leaf and uh, two blue bars. What do you think? I like the red ensign. I don't know. I like the old one. The you like the old one? Yeah. Sure. Well, now that we have the new one, uh, do you think it's all right, or would you have preferred to see some other design? No, I don't know. Really, uh, I uh, I think it's all right, but I still, I still like the other one. I don't see what they're wasting all this time and money for just debating over the flag anyway. In Regina, reporter Ron Chester talked with these people. Well, yes, I, I'm pleased to see they finally got the thing settled. I have been a little perturbed the way the... Parliament has been going in the past. I think the nation has suffered because of it. I'm glad that closure was invoked and that uh, it was brought to a decision. And uh, Now I think it's up to us to get behind the flag and say this is it. I'm just wondering where you'd find a red maple leaf. Well, I don't like the um, white and red. For one thing, I like the Union Jack. And in Vancouver, reporter Brian Kelleher got these reactions. Well, I think the the flag itself is, is quite nice, but does it represent the whole of Canada? This is the most important thing. Well, do you think it represents more French Canada than the rest? I believe that. What do you think of the government's move to impose closure in the Commons and sort of limit debate on it in order to get a new flag? Do you think this was the right way to do things? Well, I don't know what alternative they had. They went, uh, uh, they put up with the Conservatives as long as they could, and uh, they were getting worse than a ladies at a tea party trying to decide if they wanted pink or green napkins. The House of Commons sat for 248 days, 60% of the total 410 calendar days of the second session of the 26th Parliament, double what Parliament typically sits for, and a large portion of this time was devoted to dealing with the issue of the Canadian flag. 
On January 28, 1965, Queen Elizabeth II approved the flag by signing a royal proclamation, which was done while Diefenbaker and Pearson were in London attending the funeral of Sir Winston Churchill. On February 15, 1965, the flag was inaugurated in an official ceremony on Parliament Hill in the presence of the Prime Minister, the Governor-General, Cabinet members, and other Canadian MPs. On ships around the world, at federal buildings throughout Canada, and at the United Nations, the Red Ensign was lowered and the new Canadian flag was raised. According to Pearson's wife Marion, Pearson considered the flag being raised on Parliament Hill as his proudest moment as Prime Minister. General is applauded by a number of people in the crowd. It is indeed fitting that this man, who was chosen in some circles across Canada as the man of the year in 1964, should be here today as we raise a distinctive Canadian flag. And there are some of the new flags being carried by members of the crowd. There's the Governor General's flag. Our attention again is focused on the Peace Tower soaring gothic structure and up now is the maple leaf the governor general's flag was just taken down as the flag was being raised pearson ensured he stood there wearing his medals from the first world war to show the anglophone war veterans who opposed the flag that he was indeed one of them at the flag raising matheson would say that the flag was quote the handiwork of many loving hands extended over a long period of Canada's history. Even with the new flag, many veterans still identify with the Red Ensign. As for Diefenbaker, the man who fought the new flag tooth and nail upon his death in 1979, his casket was draped in the Canadian flag, but was partially obscured by the Red Ensign he fought to keep as Canada's flag. The entire flag debate would eventually be honoured with the Canadian Heritage Minute, which was made in the 1990s. You won't believe some of these proposals. Look at this one. And this. Whew. Now this is what I wanted from the start. But Mike Pearson wants this. Well, he is the Prime Minister. But blue is not an official Canadian colour. Meanwhile, John Diefenbaker and the Tories want this. You know, the only way I'll ever get the whole committee together is to persuade my Liberals to reject, reject their own Prime Minister's choice. Well, the Tories will agree to that at least. Is there one design here that the whole committee can agree on that says Canada? No mistake about it. I wonder. I wonder. Prime Minister and Mr. Diefenbaker, I was just talking about you. Are we, uh, are we all going to the same party? Amazingly, John Matheson, MP, would achieve the unanimity he sought. On February 15, 1996, Prime Minister Jean Chrétien celebrated the first National Flag Day of Canada. Of course, that day was overshadowed by the Shawinigan handshake, which I talked about last week. In his speech on that day, Chrétien would say, quote, 
The maple leaf flag pays homage to our geography, reflects the grandeur of our history, and represents our national identity. Our flag thus honors Canadians of all origins who, through their courage and determination, have helped to build and are continuing to build our great country, a dynamic country that is open to the future. Let us be proud of our flag. Let us recognize how privileged we are to live in Canada, this magnificent country that encompasses our history, our hopes, our future. I hope you enjoyed this episode and my look at the great Canadian flag debate. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And again, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have. And I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Diane Wade, Lori Ann Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Pamela Elder, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. As well, you can find me on Facebook. Just search for Canadian History X. Remember, that's E-H-X. I'm on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And don't forget, you can find me on Instagram. Just search for Bairdo37. Information from the Canadian Encyclopedia, Canada's History, CBC, Canada.ca, Wikipedia, RCINet.ca, Maclean's, The Flags of Canada, and CRWFlags.com. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.